on this week's episode, Disney may be losing Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2. Why the Raid reboot is catching our ire, and our audience is ready to scream once again. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, PopCultureCosmos.com, and we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook, so please go ahead and check us out there. And, of course, Degenerate 2018 on Twitch. That's the best place to go to get all your game streaming action right there. And if you could do what you can to support all these great causes, it is sincerely appreciated. What wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without a good friend? He is our own ghost face for Pop Culture Cosmos. You can check him out right there in costume, no doubt. You can go ahead and check out what he's doing today at Degenerate2018 on Twitch. There's a good man indeed. He has been with me for so long now. So long that he's now turned the way of Ghostface as we speak. He's going to go hopefully not call people and ask if they want to play a game. It is my good friend. It is Ghostface. I mean that Jamie Monroy. Jamie What's that? There you go. Would you like to play a game? All right. Sounds good indeed. <laughs> We've got a great show for everyone out there today. We've got a lot to cover on this week's episode. We're going to be talking about a ton of stuff. I do want to mention, first off, on the back half of the show, I've got Cam Sully from the Jacked Up Review Show dropping by to talk the future of HBO Max because they dropped some numbers on where they stand after their momentous 2021. We're going to talk about HBO Max. Now that they no longer are doing the day-and-date first-run movies to their platform, what does their future look like? And some other Streaming Wars talk. We're going to be talking about that coming up on the back half of the show. Plus, Jamie and I are going to be talking about a lot of gory action there because we've got Scream we're going to be talking about, Dexter New Blood. We're going to be talking about The Raid, why that's catching my ire because there's a lot of news regarding The Raid. I want to go ahead and also note on the back end of the show two series that are out there that you need to know about. One is a hit on HBO Max, and that's Euphoria in Season 2 with Zendaya Want to make sure everybody knows that's getting big numbers and Attack on Titan in its final season as we go into a little bit of anime as we close out the show this week. But first, my friend, I do also want to pay respects to Bob Saget. Rest in peace. He passed away very unexpectedly after performance. He, I guess, went back to his hotel room and unfortunately passed away. They're still determining the causes. Very sad to see this guy who was so much a part of our lives on American television with Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos. It's very sad to see him just as a comedian, somebody that brought laughter in our world go and just just truly sad, very sad about what happened to Bob Saget. Absolutely. You know, just in that night, I had actually tweeted out, it was after midnight, so obviously it was the, the day he was found, but it was about 12, I think 1245, 1250, had tweeted out that, you know, how much he enjoyed the performance and just, it was great. And, you know, couldn't wait to get back into doing it and to check out the future show dates at bobsaget.com and was just so excited to be doing what he loved again. And boom, just like that, you know, and it's crazy just to say the least, just, it happens to everybody, you know that, but yet you don't expect to just 
coming off the heels of a great performance that he had getting back into what he knew he loved to do and stand up and out of nowhere, you know, it just said not today. Clock yeah, was done. To- That's it's crazy. It's very crazy because the tweet he gave out was very genuine that he was very excited to be able to be doing that again. Yeah. And, and very unfortunate. Our condolences to the family. But again, I wanted to go ahead, as you say right there on the screen, rest in peace, Bob Saget. 65 years old. Unfortunately, he didn't get to see any more years, performances, or anything of that nature. You know, just the amount of respect worldwide people are giving him, and as far as what he did for the industry, as far as not only from a comedic, but also as well a television standpoint. One of America's favorite fathers played one of America's perceived favorite Perceived as also perceived outside of that as one of America's favorite fathers. And little, you know, most people didn't realize he's a pretty bad boy, foul mouthed, very, you know, yeah. brash person. You know, they absolutely. didn't stop to think that Danny Tanner wasn't all he did. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But something to see. A lot of people from a younger generation grew up with him in the 90s and early 2000s. So, yeah. Very sad to see the passing of Bob Saget. But if you have any thoughts on Bob Saget, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com or PopCultureCosmos, wherever you get your social media. We'd love to share him on our show. And, and again, our condolences to the family of Bob Saget. Absolutely. But we've got more to talk about on today's program. Well, with the bad comes the good. I want to tell you right now that it is our honor to go ahead and announce a new addition to the Cosmos as Josh Peterson and his wife, had a baby girl this week, so we truly want to thank uh, everyone out there for their support. I've seen a tremendous amount of people go ahead and reach out to Joshua's Alter Ego Instagram and just reach out with the love that he has been given over the course of the past week. I have spoken to him personally, and he is excited and on cloud nine because he's had a beautiful and lovely baby girl. Mama and baby are doing fine, so just wanted to report that. He'll be back whenever he wants to, whenever he's ready. So well, congrats look to, to all him. of them. Yeah. I know, that, I know that feeling all too well. It's a great feeling. Yes, and absolutely. I've gone through it twice myself and it's just a tremendous accelerated feeling. Absolutely. So he's right now on leave. He'll be back whenever he wants to, but the seat will always be there for him. But we truly appreciate everyone who's covered, including you, Jamie, always a great friend of the show. Always someone who's been there for us whenever we need it. So, Jamie, not only have you covered for Josh Peterson earlier this month, but you're stepping in this week for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, who is a little bit under the weather. So we hope she gets well soon and feels better. Big shout out for you, Melinda. Hopefully you'll be back next week on the PC Multiverse. I know, Jamie, you'll be covering on the Monday show as well. So truly cannot thank you enough for doing so. But our wholehearted congratulations to the Peterson family on their newest edition. Absolutely. And we're looking forward to many more happy and healthy years for the entire Peterson family. But getting into this week, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and touch on obviously the main thing that we got to talk about besides Peacemaker. We'll touch on Peacemaker because you're coming back for the Monday show. So I haven't had a chance to see too much of Peacemaker yet. So I want to go ahead and really dig into deep on that because that just dropped within the past 24 hours. So I know that the first three episodes are out there, so people need to go ahead and check it out right now on HBO Max. But the other thing that's main out, that's out right now in pop culture that is new, hot, and fresh mm-hmm. is kind of new, hot, and fresh, and it kind of isn't because it's a reboot of a famous franchise, bringing it back with kind of a little bit of a fresh new look, but still some reminders of the past because there are some cast members from the past, but an mm-hmm. all-new crew and that is Scream. Scream has been rebooted. There you go. Ghostface is back. It is something that I think a lot of people were curious about. And I think that unlike a lot of other reboots, I think they're handling this a lot better. And you know, with the satirical commentary that they've had in all the movies, especially the most famous original Scream, about how not to follow the same tropes that they do in all these horror movies, and almost like a fourth wall type deal that they would always go ahead and present, especially in that first movie. They're going back to that type of tone again. It is earning some, for the most part, positive reviews. It's got a little bit over 60 on Metacritic right now, and it does have some good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. So I want to hear your thoughts on Scream. I'm not sure if it's going to do well enough to beat 
Spider-Man No Way Home in its fifth week. It may. There may be just a clamor for it. The marketing has been pretty solid for it. Everything has been working out really well. A lot of people are excited for it. So there is a chance that the streak of Spider-Man No Way Home may be ended by Ghostface slashing in a brand new screen. I don't know. I'm not sure if I can slash my way through the web slinger, Gerald. It's iffy. It's iffy. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I wouldn't be surprised if Spider-Man carries on, but I'm it is a little iffy because it's a different side of a spectrum. But it's catering to the same younger audience, I think, is what uh, I mean. There's going to be audiences like in our age group that's going to go check it out because it's Scream and something we remember when it came out and captivated the world. We're, at that going, time. we're going to see what's wrong with it, though. Yeah. Whereas but, the newer generation's going to see because there is new generation in there's new blood in the movie. Yes. You know, case in point, Mr. 13 Reasons himself. Yes. In there playing a role. And I'm going to call my shot now and say that he's going to be the one under my mask. Yeah, there you go. Well, there, that's yeah, that's your call on that one. I can't say I blame you, but there's also very familiar faces with like Courtney Cox, uh, David Arquette. Nev girl Campbell. Played, yeah, Nev Campbell, who played Sydney, the most famous role in there. I mean, that's that's something a lot of people are are reminded of. And she's obviously a major part of this new revival. For how long these familiar faces will be there, if there are any more. Obviously, people only have seen the movie. He, can, he knows that for sure. But, you know, it's funny because, again, there's a lot of fresh faces in there that I think that may take the series forward, depending on if they live or they don't. So we'll see what happens there. Okay. I am very happy to see that Jack Quaid, who is a very successful actor right now he's on a lot of successful projects right now he is in there i don't know if he lives or dies we'll have to wait and see but it would be in her best interest to keep him in there especially after his success with the boys and star trek lower decks but looks like so far that that scream is going to be something that i think plays to an audience and even if it doesn't beat spider-man no way home i still suspect it to do substantially better than the 355 did last week Oh, yeah. I mean, in both movies, if you think about it, are playing with um, things that are IPs that are 20 plus years old. Scream mm-hmm. itself, it's been 25 years. You know, and now we're, you know, played the same thing with Spider-Man. It's 20 years since before. And I, I think that's that's a huge thing to look at is that we're playing with this 20 year mark now with a lot of different things. And yeah. it's interesting to stop and think that it's been 20 years. I really don't feel like it's been 20 years since... You know, we first saw Tobey Maguire suit up in the Spider-Man costume, but it has been. And, and just at the same time, it's when we saw Drew Barrymore answer that phone call. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's insane to think it's been that long, but it's also crazy to think to where we're at and where we could go. I, I don't know if too many people are stopping to think about, you know, Scream did a lot back then when it when it first started, but think about what it could do now. Well, it provided a fresh face at that time for the horror genre, which had become like uh, they commented in the movie, a lot of tired old tropes. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I think brought new life to the horror genre. And also what it did was bring about the modern phase of horror movies where low budget horror movies made for under $10 million could still feast at, at that time at the box office. Up until just before the pandemic, you would see each and every year three, four, or even five low-budget horror movies made under $30 million, $20 million, sometimes under $10 million, make a fortune in profit just because the fact that they, they didn't follow the old tropes. They made their own niche. It was something new in the horror genre that was added and something that was really connecting with younger audiences. These days, it's still kind of touch and go for these type of movies in this current environment. Uh, Not sure. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of the horror movies, these low-budget horror movies last year did not perform as expected. So we'll see what's going on with Scream. In fact, we'll report on exactly how well Scream did on our Monday show. But I'm kind of intrigued by what's going on. The reviews are... Kind of favorable. So for for a horror movie that's pretty present, that you don't see it in the like 20 or 30% range on Rotten Tomatoes, or you don't see it in the 20, 30% range in Met, on Metacritic. So that's always a positive sign. But if you have thoughts out there on Scream and the return of Ghostface and all that good stuff, 
Do you want to play another game with Scream coming back to theaters in 2022? Well, too. Don't forget the part that it also spawned a bunch of spoof movies, a la, you know, scary, scary movie. movies. Yeah. So who's to say maybe Scary Movie doesn't get on the train and go, well, if they can make fun of this, why don't we make fun of them doing a reboot? You know, that's probably not out of the realm of possibility, but I'm kind of hoping not because they ran that. So am I, but I see it coming. Just trust me. They did the War of the Worlds on your I know. I know people said that they ran Screaming into the ground, but after Mm. one scary movie, they kind of ran that into the ground already. But yeah, agreed. We want to hear your thoughts out there on Scream. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Okay, wait, wait, I, I can go invisible, right? Because this is, this is the absolute worst. You can so, certainly try. Okay, so that is, um, uh, that's uh, obver, obvination? Ob- ob- <laughs> Close enough. Ovulation? It's obfuscation. Roll your dice. Okay. So I didn't get anything over a five, but you that can... You are still naked. Oh, God. The music stops and everyone is looking directly at you, oh. judging. Oh, God. This is... The prince of the city looks very disappointed in you. Okay, this is worse than the dreams that I have about being naked at work. There has to be something that I can do. Vampires in Vitae, a Vampire the Masquerade actual play podcast, season two to Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, there's still more to discuss on today's program, my friend. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, speaking of slashers, Dexter New Blood ended its run, we think. Of course, we said that before quite a few years ago, and they, they rebooted it again with a very interesting ending that exactly oh, was. Oh, there oh, you go. Sorry, Dexter. Dexter stopped by, guys. Duh. Absolutely. And it's blood all over the place. But I want to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, a lot of fans out there are not exactly in love with the way this turnaround for Dexter's new blood ended. Yeah. I'm not going to say there's outright rage, which we'll talk about. I might have for the raid reboot coming up. I think with the whole Dexter thing, it's not so much rage. It's more people not being able to let go of certain things. So to say for now, I think they were not exactly thrilled with the first time they ended it on showtime, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I think they were come to grips with it. So when they brought it back around again with Dexter New Blood, which, okay, it's not exactly New Blood in the sense that you still have the main character the same, and you still had yeah. other characters from the previous series still in there. I mean, it didn't seem to satisfy. It didn't seem to get that audience out there that has been supporting it for all these years, the kind of satisfaction I think that they deserve. Well, that's from what I was understanding, you know, seeing online and hearing people talking around the water cooler, things like that. From what I'm understanding, it's more so that fans wanted to see it go differently than the way it went, which I called that shot. I'm just going to say that now. I told the wife she was getting into Dexter. She didn't understand what Dexter New Blood was going to be about. So I got her into Dexter so she'd have an idea of what's going on. And I called that shot to begin with and said that what happened at the end was going to happen. Yeah. Before it even started, because it just kind of made sense when I heard the premise of the whole thing. Yeah. Now, where fans are getting upset is there. There's a lot of fans that are saying they should have just let it go to where he got caught, went to court for the trial, you know, went under trial for being the babe slasher and somehow get out of it. But okay, if he got out of it, that means it's going to keep going with the same old thing over and over and over. And also, some of these fans didn't stop. A lot of these fans are holding him up here on this pedestal like he was a Batman vigilante. Whereas he's not a Batman vigilante, nor is he even what he thinks he is. He's a narcissistic psychopath. Like these people are are, are making it like he's actually doing what he thought he was doing and he wasn't. He's satisfying a sick desire. Well there's good news and bad news to all this, my friend. And the good news is that it did break records for showtime as far as viewage for the finality. But there is the possibility and some loopholes that whatever happened, uh, which we won't mention the finale because it's still fresh out there, but Mm -hmm. there was supposedly a finale, which Mm -hmm. was a finale for the main characters, Dexter and Harrison. There may be an out from what I saw, from what I'm able to ascertain in what I was able to see that 
could lead Showtime into making some type of spinoff, which mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wouldn't be the end of Dexter after all, but it may be not related to Dexter a himself. Dexter. A different Dexter or maybe some type okay. of relative or something of that nature that they can go into. But there are outs that they are currently that Showtime could look into. And mm-hmm. I think with the kind of numbers that they did, will give them that ire, will give them that inspiration to say, you know what? At some point in time, we expect to go into the world of Dexter once again. No, of course. I wouldn't put it past him. No, not at all. Place, right? Yes. Yeah. So let's just say a lot of people watched Showtime's Dexter. Which that doesn't surprise me that a lot of people watched it. It it also doesn't surprise me that a lot of people were complaining about the episode itself. Just because. Well, on these finales, people just don't seem to really come to grips in a very good way. Game of Thrones. They always want the fan service, you know. And sometimes you don't get that fan service that you think you should have. Exactly. So what are your thoughts out there on Dexter New Blood, which did score some high ratings throughout as far Mm -hmm. as for Showtime and a platform which I had said one time I thought was on its way out, dying. It was something that has been around forever as far as premium cable. I thought in the age of streaming that it might not find its niche. looks like with Dexter New Blood that it's still hanging around and and still doing well. So want to hear your thoughts on Dexter's New Blood? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. All right, my friend. The reason why I still want you to keep the blood up is because I'm angry feel like shedding some blood because the raid redemption and the raid two awesome movies from the previous decade in fact the raid if you go and check the archives at popculturecosmos.com is one of my favorite all-time movies i have listed Mm -hmm. out there in my top 25 it's right there for you at popculturecosmos which i gotta update sometime in the near future i think i might add a few couple here maybe a couple Uh there oh it's a a crime add a couple things like that oh yeah it's a crime Watch out for the crime scene tape. But I wanted to ask you this. The Raid, which was then, and The Raid Redemption, its sequel, which was directed by Gareth Evans. Gareth has now been approached by none other than Michael Bay mm-hmm. in regards to Netflix. Of course, the king of streaming right now. And also Patrick Hughes. These This talented trio are, well, you could say about Michael Bay is talented. He's knows how to make some big films let's put that way as far as the talent is concerned but these three entities out of hollywood are looking to do a revival of the raid based in the philadelphia area Mm -hmm. bringing it back to netflix but without the main characters who made this happen Mm, yeah from what i'm seeing i don't see any of the actors that we're familiar with as of this time being asked to reprise their roles so I'm, I'm going to refrain and saying 100% that they're not going to be in there, but it does not look like it as of yet. Yeah, it's not looking too good at the moment. So this has got my ires because you really can't have something that's going to have the raid and not have the tremendous actors who were part of it. That are just so good in this action movie. That amazing was, martial arts. Amazing. amazing. The, the raid movie, I'm going to tell you right now, is probably one of the five best action movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm with you on that. And to not have the actors that were part of it and to do like a Americanized version of it or whatever version you want to say of it. A lot of people are just saying other things as well. And I don't want to go into that part of it, but to yeah. not have Aiko Uwai or Joe Taslim or Dani Alamsha or Yayan Ruhayan, you know, guys mm-hmm. that you saw, a couple of them you saw in actually the Star Wars, The Force Awakens. You actually yeah. got to see a couple of them. That's how much their work was revered in the raid. And yet they're not a part of this as of yet, as of now. Correct. Does this upset you as much as me? Because really, to me, this is something I think that is very... It's 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 Netflix, a big fish, saying we can do pretty much take this this entity and do pretty much do anything I want with it. And That's it, what I was saying earlier about that to someone. I was like, you know, why does it feel like that this is one of the ones where they're dipping their toes in the wrong water? I think they are. I think, and absolutely. I feel like that's a thing too, where they're they're just getting a little too big for their britches, trying to go. Well, 
If I understand that they, 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 they renewed Emily in Paris for two seasons. That's great. They've already got, you know, they talked about just yesterday, they talked about Red Notice making two sequels. Well, duh, yeah, it's back. the most, yeah, back to back. It's the most popular film on their streaming outlet all time. Which I get not that. Surprising. Yeah, not that surprising. And I just think that right now, it is not the best move. I just think, unless you I, involve the original actors, put them in a different scenario. That's great. Go ahead, go for it. But if you're going to change the type of vision you had originally for this film, especially if you're involving the original director in some form or fashion, well, I'm yeah, not the sure original about director that. is now what the executive producer on this one. Yeah, so he's not going to be the hands-on guy every day. He's just going to oversee the final. But is product. he going to let that get out of hand to where he's going? Whoa, if this Netflix was nothing is, like I. Well, if Netflix is throwing you the cash, it seems like it doesn't really care. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think that as well. And I do have to, uh, I don't want to agree with some of the people out there that are going off about things, but I do agree to an extent where a lot of people are upset when they see Michael Bay's name, they automatically start thinking, well, gee, what special effects are he's going to go all out about just to make this movie something big, you know? Michael and Bay I don't want to see that either. I don't want to see a Transformers, you know, all the Transformers in the raid. I don't want to see that. I mean, because there was no special effects really it in the raid. Didn't need it. It was just the all martial arts physical. and the story were perfect enough that it did not need anything else. High intensity. The music in that movie helped accentuate the mood it tremendously. Was, crazy as too. One of, was it just me? The building, the building yes. was itself. like alive itself it, and yes. just told its own story in the midst of everything that was going on. The, like I said, the score just helped accentuate. It's one of the best movies ever to integrate score with the design the look and then the action okay. all incorporated and if you've not seen the raid redemption as of yet we highly highly re- <laughs> recommend it but again it looks like a remake of the raid is being done here for american yeah. audiences uh, it'll be pr- obviously presented worldwide but it'd be looks like it's going to be done in a setting here in philadelphia and i'm not sure and i'm from i'm reading the the individuals in that uh the people in the in and around the philadelphia are not exactly loving that as well for mm-hmm. other reasons so i don't want to get into that but if you're interested in a raid revival or you don't like a raid revival without <laughs> the main central characters that made this series what it is please let us know pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com we're coming up after the break it is cam sully from the Jacked Up Review podcast. He's stopping by to talk the future of HBO Max and the continued streaming wars. And then after that, Jamie and I will return to talk about Euphoria Season 2 and Attack on Titan as we close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. All right, and we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Want to tell everyone out there, we are going to have a great interview coming up right now for you because we're going to be talking one of the things that I really enjoy talking about, and that is the streaming marketplace And we're going to talk about some of the major movements that have gone since the new year. And one of them is kind of like a prediction, per se, on what may happen with HBO Max. Because HBO Max, they recently dropped some numbers to the shareholders out there as part of the Time Warner, Discovery, all that good stuff that they're going to go ahead and do and have that love fest going on. But HBO Max recently dropped its numbers out there as far as subscribers are concerned and over the course of last year they rose from 61 million to 74 million viewers subscribers per se and that to me is something i want to go ahead and keep everybody aware of where they sit along the pantheon of the marketplace so we're going to be getting into the possibility of how can they grow 
or will they even stay at the level that they're at just behind Netflix and Disney Plus? But here today to talk about that and the streaming marketplace is a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today with his awesome Jacked Up Review Show podcast. There are many, many podcasts that are on the way, including one with yours truly, where we discussed those streaming marketplace in streaming. great, exactly <laughs> in great, great detail. We had a great conversation. It is Cam Sully and Cam, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you. What you do on your show is also just, you know, look at a lot of numbers, cite a lot of data and go from there. And it really is kind of just cool that we chose to do this one because basically you know, we're having to see all these dogs get in a fight and fend for themselves in the woods basically in the world of streaming exactly well that's the way the marketplace has changed from even five years ago when if you were the kingpin on broadcast networks or cable that's what you were really shooting for but since the rise of netflix everybody has wanted to try and follow suit with their type of streaming service, max this or a plus that. We talked about the various things as far as how all these streaming entities can succeed in the marketplace. Some of them have obvious cheat codes per se, if we were in the oh, video totally. game sense, that if they went ahead and they wanted to go ahead and execute, could really bring themselves to the forefront. But we'll wait and see if that's the case. In fact, they need to go ahead and check out our conversation on your show in order to go ahead as we went into that in great detail. <laughs> but brain. one of the things I wanted to ask oh. you was HBO Max. <laughs> HBO Max is the one that dropped its latest numbers out there. And they are still far behind Netflix and also Disney Plus and to a sense Amazon Prime because Amazon Prime also has over... 200 million subscribers mind you they're mostly for different reasons it's probably mostly like because they want to go ahead and do a lot of shopping with netflix it's all about the subscriberships there and they'll they're about 214 million i believe if i'm not mistaken and then you have disney plus which is around 115 million themselves so they're still quite a bit behind in the ball game but they recently announced that they are on the upswing and that was after a year with them promoting the day and date program, which was bringing all of the Time Warner, Warner Brother movies day and date with the theaters, but also on HBO Max. The Matrix Resurrections, whatever you think of it and whatever we thought of it here on the show, that's regardless. It was the last of these entities to now be a day and date. So now going forward, all their movies are going straight to theaters first. This a good move ultimately, or this proved to be something detrimental to the company? It's a very good question because there's still a lot of people just going to the theater and just wearing masks and everything. And I was definitely worried about that when they announced that. And you know, I read the same Hollywood Reporter article you read, and I didn't know about that. I, I didn't realize that at first. It's like, yeah, it seemed like Amazon always had that extra amount of money, and they would always kind of split the bill with other stations where it's like you can stream it through them and they get like a quarter of the cut you know <laughs> yeah and uh yeah it's kind of like how netflix you know would offer to stream a bunch of their shows and yeah time warner was like anything as long as it's not you know one of our hbo properties and it's like but that was also kind of the appeal when when they launched they were like okay we're taking everything down that we own you know no ifs yeah. or buts well, about it yeah, well, same thing with Disney and same thing with other entities. I mean, The Office, which is now back with Universal's uh, Peacock, mm -hmm. that was for a long time the mainstay as far as the backbone of what Netflix was all about. It's, it's so funny because all these major studios had all these advantages, yet somehow Netflix was able to maneuver its way through this streaming marketplace when no one else in the industry, in the entertainment, had any confidence in this industry and they were able to go ahead and gain a huge advantage from it. And it's just amazing to see now that everybody wants to catch on because, you know, it's a simple thing. Oh, somebody succeeds. We got to go ahead and copy it. it. It was just out of this world. And it was kind of much like with Blockbuster. They were the first big giant, you know, movie rental company, them in Hollywood video. And then, you know, Netflix beat them to the giant streaming platform. And so, they clearly had a lot of savings since they were first, but yeah, everyone was like, are they going to have to sell some shares and everything when they had all the rivals? And so now that Hulu has changed how it's very movie reliant, 
and doing a lot of original programming and prime is allows anyone to post their own movie as well as do a lot of giant in-studio productions and now that apple owns a24 the and is publishing a lot of their independent movies it, it's just definitely an interesting recommend did you kind of find the pricing plan kind of confusing when that first came out exactly yes i know that some of them have tried to go ahead and like peacock itself it had its free and then it had its five dollar with ads and it had mm-hmm. without ads kind of uh, fragmenting its own you know as far as people that are interested in it hbo max had a system as well that was kind of confusing and it wasn't until last year when they started that day and day program that people started to really take hbo max more seriously even though they had advantage with all those great HBO shows that were already in its library. Totally. I just found it interesting is like how it's like, yeah, all your all the shows that aired on the platform, you know, remastered on here. And then just but what was mainly just appealing to me was that, you know, everything in the Warner Brothers library is going to be moved there. You know, person of interest, West Wing, any other giant the cartoons. The, the Warner cartoons, Brothers cartoons. Yeah. yeah. Classic WB cartoons are going to be there and I think it just, yeah, with Peacock, when they made the move, you know, they did more than just for the Universal Library. They, I think they just had just, they just had the marketing down slightly better. They just had some really hysterical ads before they just do the inevitable montages of what they offered. And I think it was cool that when they got the office, it wasn't just we own it, you know, now this is the only place where you can find it. They also had, hey, we offer extended versions that had never before been seen of these episodes. So I think a lot of networks could just definitely, if they keep doing more and more exclusive content, you know, all it takes is one and they'll, they'll make their money back. Euphoria is a series that has been doing record numbers on HBO Max, which is great because, again, they're trying to remind you that even though we are no longer doing the day and date, we are still giving you quality programming that people truly want to see. The thing is, though, for there's still more 11 more months in this calendar year. HBO Max has got to fill it up with a lot of things to replace and to supplement that day and date that they're no longer going to get. By the end of this year, where do you see them fitting at? I'll go back to our original question. Where do you see them placing themselves? Do you see them continuing that upward climb or do you see them falling a little bit behind because simply because they're not able to showcase you the things that they once did this time last year? That's a very good point. I think they're going to probably make it in decently at maybe four, five, or maybe six place. Because like you say, they got all this stuff and everyone knows that they got a lot of great quality and other stuff. And it's just, you don't know how much of it is. They still got the cable bill versus they gave up cable and that's the only way they can access all the HBO material. But yeah, it's just like, I think, their pros are that they're not removing stuff instantly as soon as it's added, you know, yeah. and they're going from a lot of stuff that's already in their vault. And I think they're just doing more than just being, you know, a movie platform now, because like all the other ones are kind of very reliant on doing that, especially Prime and Shutter, and especially Paramount, you know, yeah. Paramount was CBS initially and that was the thing they just confused everybody off the bat there before they just made reminded everyone hey we're going to get a lot of you know well-known and lesser known stuff from the paramount vault that's this is paramount plus and so i think i definitely think yes netflix is in prime are still going to keep conquering and obviously disney plus at this rate is probably number one just because you got the star wars and marvel and classic disney cartoons in the vault but they're still way behind Netflix at this point. I think right now the only thing, the only entities yeah. that I think can catch up instantly are Amazon and Apple Plus. The reason why is Apple Plus could do a U2, like I said on your show, and just instantly tomorrow make Apple Plus accessible on everyone's iPhone or iPad or anything iRelated. They could just go ahead and instantly make it free for everyone and you'll catch up right there as far as the amount of viewers. With Amazon Prime, they're starting to do it this past year. They realized what a great platform that they now have with the shows and the movies that came out. And, and it wasn't it, easy. You know? Yeah, it wasn't easy. First it year it was easy. rough. You come out during COVID. So I think all of these guys, they just all struggled because, you know, 2020 was the year to launch. And, yeah. you know, that didn't go according to plan. And I think 
Max just helped itself out by just saying, we don't know if anyone's even wants to go to the movies. So for financial protection, we got to at least offer a video on demand option. Well, with HBO Max, I have a feeling they're going to go the way of Disney Plus. And Disney Plus is now cherry picking the movies, whether it's Fox related, Marvel related, Star Wars related, or in this case, what I was talking about, like last week with Turning Red, Pixar related where they're picking and choosing which movies that were previously scheduled to be exclusively in the theaters, which ones are winding up still in the theaters and which ones that they're picking for a premiere date on Disney plus. I see HBO max doing the same thing with its slate of Warner brothers movies coming up. If they sense that one or two or three of these movies are not going to do well, if they're not testing well, or they're just not projecting well, I have a feeling they're going to go ahead and, bump it over as an exclusive to hbo max that's such a good point because like that's kind of how they would do it with any warner brothers kind of thing and yeah. if you read if you saw the superman uh libs documentary they talked about lorenzo de bonaventura talked about you know he works at paramount and summit type productions now but he talked about how just the marketing department was just chaotic for years no one and they were just so used to just having their movies you know get good or bad reviews and hardly make their budget back and then make it back on sister channel you know hbo so it is interesting if they're just going to keep just doing what they've done all these years or if they are actually going to try and play ball because you think they could probably do better than netflix netflix has been under critique for you know having some stuff that goes straight to streaming and other stuff that plays for a few weeks in the theaters just to at least you know be submitted to the award shows qualifications and then, you know, gets put on their platform. But yeah, I, 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 I would not, I mean, we also kind of noticed that a lot of their original like movies now have been like stuff they bought. They've been doing a lot of just buying them from festivals. So yeah. I, I would definitely kind of see that happening more and more. They're going to just do a lot of more original movies that, you know, are bought from festivals and then maybe have one to three of them that, you know, you can only see in a theater. So I think it helps that they really have been communicating it a lot of it. So it's like, yeah, okay. So we gave you all these movies this year, but that's it. Now we're just focusing on programming and you'll be first to get it when it finally does come to home media. I see that. And I, th I know that that's what they're trying to get across, but I have, ulti I, I have a feeling that they are going to reassess the situation a little bit. And I think some of those movies that are scheduled to drop this year, they're going to say, you know what? I don't think it's in our best financial interest to go ahead and say, you know what, let's put it out as a release. I think it's probably better if we just try to go ahead and move it over to HBO Max as an exclusive premiere type deal because we realize we're probably not going to make the return on our investment in the theaters right now during these circumstances. Because as we're seeing in the past two years, since March of 2020, any real mid-tier movie or indie movie or lower budget movie or any movie the out spring. there <laughs> yeah i mean just any of these movies out there that's not a big entity has a real uphill battle of making a profit at the theaters because of the fact that people are not willing to go out and see the second tier movies uh, not saying quality wise but just let's Take say okay yeah. yeah everybody's got to go see spider-man because it's spider-man no way home everybody's got to go ahead and check that out so that's why it's still doing game free advertising but, just on the name you know but yeah exactly but nightmare alley that came out that same week nobody wanted to go check that out even though it got tremendous reviews much acclaim that's the type of movie in a winter time normally would actually people go and say you know what I checked out Spider-Man last week. You know, I think I'm going to go ahead and catch Nightmare Alley. They're now no longer catching these mid-tier or budget movies or indie movies or art movies, as West Side Story can tell you, because of the fact that, that it's just the circumstances right now. So people are just saying, you know what, we're going to wait for home video. And I think it's up to these studios to realize that. And rather than take a bath and get negative publicity from your movie not making a dime at the theaters because of what's going on, Put it out straight to a whatever deal that you have with a streaming service. Put it straight on that streaming service and get more positive publicity from that. I, I would concur. I would hope they would do that because 
I also noticed they don't have some of the same deals that they used to have. You know, they used yeah. to be like number one, they would get, you know, before stars really, really hit it big, they would distribute a lot of the Lionsgate Anchor Bay catalog and they don't really do as much of that. They like maybe air like three of those movies a few years later. And yeah, Fox is still the Disney bandwagon, but they'll pretty much only air some of their stuff here and there, you know? Well, but, that's why I was excited to see the, uh, the King's man get put out to theaters because it had been moved around. Like you would shuffle a deck of cards here in Vegas. Oh yeah. As far as the release date goes, nobody actually cared when it came out. It would have been great if it was just like an exclusive first day premiere on Hulu or something like that. I think that would probably have been something that that would have been better Disney, since since they or own Disney Plus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Since they own 60% of it and Disney Plus or, or whatever whichever way you wanted to go ahead and slice it. So I think that's the case because look how well it worked for the Tomorrow War and Red Notice. These two movies have gotten panned by the critics. Yet they have found on each platform, both Amazon and Netflix, a huge, huge response like nothing they would have ever gotten out in the theaters. Yes, the Summit sold it to Prime and yeah. yeah, the other one sold it to the other one. And and yeah, they, they, they were critic proof. And I think a lot of the companies are going to just start learning to, again, just split the bill, much like how Universal and Fox split the bill with Hulu. It's like, okay. Disney only wanted Fox just so they could buy the X-Men catalog. They knew they were going to have to backlog a lot of stuff. And I know in Canada, they offer a lot of the material that would otherwise not be offered, you know, here in the States. Like I was talking to my friend in Australia over the weekend, Ben Arnaud, who was on our Monday show. And he was, he was talking about being able to watch Die Hard and then watch a Pixar movie right there because that's internationally, you have the star network and you have all these other networks combined, you know, on one platform, whereas here in the States, it's so much different. So Mm -hmm. it's really to the advantage to people out there internationally, because you're able to get a wide variety of things right with one service, as opposed to us who in the States who have to (laughs) like to get a potpourri of things going, you know, actually like that, almost like a buffet. Yeah, it's a buffet, but it's going to cost you at the end when you get the bill. Right. But I tell you what, Cam, it's just so great talking to you. And if anyone wants to hear more of what we had to talk about, we were talking well over half hour. Oh, we went so deep into just Apple in general. We're just like, what are they thinking? What are they doing? What, what will they do? Exactly. So it was just a tremendous conversation. One of the best interviews I've had in a long time. And that is available very soon on the Jacked Up Review Show podcast. Cam has got a ton of interviews coming right there for you. And in fact, there's a ton already in the books, but I can say what I can say about your show, but it's better (laughs) said from you, my friend. So before we head on out, please let us know why they need to check out the Jacked Up Review Show podcast. If you want any kind of culture, just discussed we're going to try and examine it as best we can as constructively as we can do it and any giant actor's resume any filmmakers ever evolving career any inspirational and just giant commentary that a giant film franchise has displayed we're going to try and tackle it we have branched a little ways into video games books and even food so we we try to do just kind of just anything that just makes any kind of geek tick and just we test the waters every day and now and just say, hey, let's be flexible. Let's do any kind of entertainment that we can just dissect a bit and give it a hell of a show. Absolutely. We've touched on books on many occasions here over the years. Video games we touch on almost every week because it's so much a part of entertainment and cooking and grilling. Well, Ben Arnaud happens to be the master of grilling over in Australia, so barbecue uh, with his smoking hot confessions barbecue community so every time he comes on he has the best ideas on food and it always goes over well and gets a big response so mm-hmm. it is definitely recommended who doesn't like food so believe me absolutely one doesn't yes. like food no, <laughs> hey, or good food indeed so definitely oh. check out so definitely check out the jacked up review show podcast for everything like cam said whether it's reviews films movies music entertainment pop culture video games and food right there for you so check it out today wherever you get your podcasts thank you but i'll tell you what cam it's been great having you on i love talking streaming with you it's just been such a great pleasure 
or anything pop culture, the red carpet is open for you. Always to stop by right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. By all means. And this was, I've just been looking forward to this. The first week I was like, I knew January, it's going to get real. It's going to heat up. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's going to even get better right here in the world of pop culture, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. And we're back to close out the show's the PC Multiverse. Want to thank so much Cameron Sullivan, or aka Cam Sully, for stopping by on the program for talking about HBO Max and everything going on in the streaming wars. Want to make mention once again, popculturecosmos.com. We have a lot of great stuff that's always there for you as far as articles, podcasts, so much more. Plus also as well on Facebook, we cover the latest news and trends of pop culture and are the number one tabletop RPG. So take a look there and check out all the great videos and stuff that we have going on there. A couple last things before we head on out, my friend. I wanted to go ahead and congratulate Euphoria Season 2, which has hit HBO Max record numbers for the TV series. Your thoughts on this teenage drama starring Zendaya, who is just proving to be a superstar in her own right, regardless of what her boyfriend's doing. And I'm just going to say right now, executive producer power. Yep. She is just killing it out there. She's doing a lot of great projects. Wish her tremendous success. And to see her doing a television show like this, that touches on a lot of serious subjects Mm -hmm. that people are really getting into. She is to be congratulated for, but any thoughts on Euphoria Season 2? Because it certainly looks like there'll be a Season 3 if she so chooses to go ahead and continue. Yeah, I, I agree. Coming off of a heck of a first season and then finding out that they wanted to take that and flip that. They didn't want the same feel they had for the first season of the teenage party vibe. Now it went on the mentality of this is what's going on at 1, 2 a.m. with your kids. And then it went now, you know, this season seems more of a this is what happens when the party's over at 5, 6 a.m. when you shouldn't be out and you should be at home or something like that. I'm interested to see where it goes. I do agree with you that it's going to more than likely get another season. Oh, yeah, at least so. because it set, the, it set the record for HBO Max. Now, this one, I'm sure, set the record for HBO Max, oh, uh, yeah. unlike what we talked yeah, about yeah, with yeah. Dexter. This one, there's it, no question. Yeah, no question because it drew 2.4 million viewers across all of its platforms last weekend, so... Definitely looking forward to a season three, unless, like I said, Zendaya says no. I see right. a season three on the horizon. But we want to hear your thoughts on Euphoria. Let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And last but not least, I do want to comment on the final season for Attack of Titan because it is one of the monumental anime series of all time. Attack on Titan is something that I think a lot of people, whether or not you're going to get into it or not, just have to respect it for what it is. So I want to hear your thoughts on Attack on Titan's final season before we head on out. I think a lot of people are going to have a hard time with the fact that it's the final season. Mm-hmm. I really do think that's going to be a big thing. Fans of the series as a whole are going to be, oh no, you know, it's kind yeah. of like when my hero comes to an end, people are going to go, what do I do with myself now? Kind of thing. Yeah. I find it interesting that the directors were replaced with this season. That's kind of interesting to see what's going to happen with that. I don't know. It's following, you know, Gabby and she's a young Elden warrior. They are, and they're seeking to inherit the armored Titan four years after the failed mission. Does the failure play into that to where that makes it even more of an ambition for them to succeed? You know, I don't know how that's going to play out yet myself. All I can say too is best place to watch this final season would be Crunchyroll. So if you don't have it, Check it out on there because that's going to be one of the best places to watch it. Well, they've got everything covered. But initially it drops on Crunchyroll and Funimation on Sunday nights. And then it drops on Hulu and Adult Swim. So please make sure to note that. So if you have Hulu, Adult Swim, Funimation, or Crunchyroll, definitely will be on one of those platforms. There's only 12 episodes in its final season. It is one of the monumental anime IP that's ever been created, and that is Attack on Titan. And if you have thoughts on Attack on Titan and its final season, please let us know. 
popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, I appreciate it. Mr. Ghostface here for what's going to be a fabulous weekend. I know you and I are coming back to let everybody know exactly how well Ghostface did over the weekend, plus our thoughts on Peacemaker after the first three episodes, taking mm-hmm. it all in because I'll have a better idea of exactly what I'm taking in when it comes to Peacemaker. Plus, right. there's a lot of things that's coming up in pop culture, but any last thoughts on the way out? What are we going to do in a world where you might see this face almost anywhere? Absolutely. That's a very good point because you wanted to bring up the, a very good subject, and that was Disney in the process of possibly losing the rights to Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2, among other things in regards to <laughs> Winnie the Pooh it being up for public domain. You also talked about Steamboat Willie the next couple of years that will be also up for public domain, the characters and the copyright protection on that. You know, I know Winnie the Pooh has garnered a lot of money for Disney over the years. I'm not sure to the extent of how many other entities out there would go ahead and touch on this, but it does mean that a little bit of control is slipping away from Disney with Steamboat Willie. I don't so much as worry about that because that is the, the, start of how mickey mouse was created so i don't that really kind of interesting that... to me though because what do you yeah. do when something that involves your mascot that heavily is up in the air like that yeah see the, with the winnie the pooh thing it's a little different a little different so with that i don't know if you're familiar i'm sure you are with that protection act i believe it was what 1998 yes. was the protection act for all the copyrights yes. Was it 95, 96 years from the first published date? If it's like a book, anything like that. Yeah. Is how long you have before it goes up for grabs. So, of course, with the Winnie the Pooh book, that is now as of 2021, end of 2021. So here within the next month or so, you should see where that starts to be able to be where people can just do what they want with Winnie the Pooh. Here's the catch. Winnie the Pooh can only be taken and used as far as that book being published that long ago with what characters are in that book and what that book is about. Yeah. As far as Disney's versions of Winnie the Pooh and characters that they've created as far as Winnie the Pooh's universe, they maintain that. They also will maintain Tigger because Tigger was not brought into the fold until 1928, which was two years after the book was published. Yeah. So therefore he's safe as well. Yeah. But I just, I wonder, the book involves, you know, Pooh, Pig, you know, the core characters. What happens when you have Netflix? I'm just going to use Netflix for an example because we were just talking about them. But you have Netflix come through and go, man, we do pretty good in the animated market. Let's see what we can do with Pooh. What happens then? How weird is that? Our childhoods, we've always known Disney to be involved with Winnie the Pooh. The lawyers are probably working on it right now as we speak, but... We'll see what happens as Winnie the Pooh, the famous entity as it is, unfortunately will be no longer just by itself a self-property with Disney or be part of the public access realm. In many ways, the characters, some, well, at least some of them anyways, will be available for projects out there. And Steamboat Willie will come in the not too distant future as well. But if you have thoughts on that, should it remain a Disney property? Are you glad to see that other entities out there will be able to create Winnie the Pooh stories? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Oh, bother. Yes, oh, bother indeed. But my friend, it's been a great episode. Need to go ahead and get on out of here. Any last thoughts for me, my friend, before we head on out? No, not much. Just can't wait to do it all over again. Absolutely. Just, I'm looking forward for you to stop by on the weekend. Just going ahead and talking about how well the return of Scream did at theaters. We're going to be talking about the Peacemaker. Yes, that guy, the Peacemaker, coming up here in a little bit. We're going to be talking about the first three episodes, our impressions of that. We're going to be talking about a lot of great things, including a little game called Nobody Saves the World. That's coming out next week to video games because we haven't been able to talk too much in the world of video games because nobody seems to want to be able to release a video game here. But <laughs> we'll be talking about that. Should we also talk about the controversy around Dying Light 2 in regards to 500 hours? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about 500 Hours with Dying Light 2 here also on Monday as well, among other things, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Jamie Monroy, this is Gerald Glassford. This is another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. 
Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great, great day. Do it, or I'll come see you.